The sermon text is the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 to 32. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is like this. A man scatters seed on the ground, and while he sleeps and rises night and day, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. The ground produces fruit on its own, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. When the crop is ready, he swings the sickle without delay, because the harvest has come. Then he said, To what should we compare the kingdom of God, or with what parable may we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is one of the smallest of all the seeds planted in the ground. Yet, when it is planted, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest under its shade. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Jesus tells two parables with the same basic point. And the basic point of these two parables is pretty easy to process mentally, but it is much more challenging to digest it spiritually and to apply it to our lives as Christians. The main point of these parables, which is pretty easy to understand, is that God grows his kingdom his way. And it grows a lot like crops were grown back in Jesus' day. A regular old farmer walks out to his field and just randomly scatters seed everywhere, seed all over the place. And he turns around and he goes back to his other work, his rest, his leisure, and the seed just grows all on its own. The farmer cannot force the seed to grow. He cannot control the growth of the seed. But the seed does grow. It grows into a great harvest. Now, of course, there is a lot more to farming than that. But Jesus' basic point here is that it's not a glamorous process. This is not something that draws a lot of attention or a lot of oohs and ahs. It's just a guy scattering seed and then waiting and he doesn't even understand how it works. He couldn't even explain to you how that seed grows. Now, today, of course, we know a lot more about how plants grow than they did back then. But I remember a botany professor saying to his class, there's still a whole lot more about this process we do not understand than we do. Well, the second parable Jesus tells makes the same basic point, this time from a different perspective, the perspective of a seed. And if you look at the picture on the cover of your bulletin today, it speaks a thousand words. And it tells you what Jesus' point is, that you can end up with something that in the end is big and impressive and glorious, and it starts off as something very small and very humble. This is not the most complicated concept that Jesus ever taught, but it is impossible to believe without the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus applies it to. He starts his first parable, the kingdom of God is like this. A man scatters seed. And he begins the second one, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Well, God is glorious. God is majestic. God is mighty. This is God's kingdom we are talking about. So 
our brains would like to go straight to this conclusion that the kingdom would be big and mighty and glorious just like the God who rules the kingdom. And yet, God's kingdom is on the inside of human beings. It's Jesus ruling in people's hearts, the heart of everyone who believes. So you can't even see God's kingdom. If you walk down the street past 10 random people, there'd be no way for you to know which two or three or seven or eight or whatever had Jesus ruling in their hearts. God's kingdom is so low-key that it's invisible. Not only that, but the people who do the work in God's kingdom, the work of scattering the seed, the word of God, are just ordinary, unimpressive, everyday people. They preach the word of God or they teach it to their children or they give money so that missionaries can scatter the seed of God's word halfway around the world or they talk to their friends about their Savior. Hopefully most Christians do more than one of the above. But this is not glamorous work. And it's not usually done by famous people. It's done by regular, everyday, ordinary people like you and me. Not only that, but the way the kingdom spreads is a mystery to us. Now we do know this much about it because the Bible tells us this, that the Holy Spirit works with the seed, the word of God, to create faith in a person's heart. But how does that work exactly? I mean, what exactly does the Holy Spirit do to ignite the spark of faith in a person's heart? If you could explain that to me sometime, I'd love to hear the explanation. But then again, I wouldn't because we can't understand it. It's a mystery. If you try to explain it, you're just going to end up going way beyond the bounds of God's word. And the growth of God's kingdom takes time. It is slow, slow, slow. One person here, two people there, a family over here. You know these mass conversions like we heard about before back in the Old Testament, the 3,000 in one day on Pentecost, this kind of thing just doesn't happen very often. It's usually, from our perspective, painfully slow. Uh, Do these truths about God's kingdom not conflict with God himself? If God is great and powerful and glorious, then why does he rule an invisible kingdom with humble, ordinary people doing the work, with unimpressive means, a kingdom that grows mysteriously and slowly? Doesn't that conflict with who God is? And don't those truths about God's kingdom make it challenging for us to do the work of scattering the seed? You think about some of those truths, you you might be tempted to ask God, why does it have to be so unexciting? Why do you give us a book? Don't you know nobody reads books anymore? And it's a 2,000-year-old book. You really think my friend is going to listen to what I have to say in some book that was written 2,000? God, you got to give us something here. you got to make this a little more exciting, a little more interesting. God, Why does this have to be mysterious? Why can't you explain to us exactly how this works? Then we could do some marketing analytics and we would know exactly where and when to plant the seed of God's word to get the best results. Lord, all you tell us is, be my witnesses and the wind blows where it pleases. 
A little more information would be helpful here, Lord. And why does it have to be so slow? You're big, aren't you? You're powerful. Why can't we see your kingdom grow bigger, 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 faster, faster, faster? Why does it have to take so long? One good answer to those questions when we are tempted to ask them is don't. Just shut up. When your sinful nature wants to ask those questions, tell it to close its big, fat, arrogant, sinful nature mouth. Now, boys and girls, I'm sure your parents have taught you never to say shut up to anybody. And that's true when you're talking to human beings. It's rude to say shut up. But your sinful nature is a scumbag, and it wants to hurt you, and it wants to wreck your faith. So you have permission to be as rude as you want to be to your sinful nature. We have no business telling God how to run and how to grow his kingdom. It's his kingdom, not ours. So that's one answer to the question. An answer that might be a little more helpful is this. Consider the man who is telling these parables. He's God. He's eternal. He's powerful. He's glorious. He's the one who came into this world to save us and bring God's kingdom into our hearts. So how did he come? Through a virgin into a manger. How did he live his life in this world? As lowly as he could have. What did he look like? Isaiah the prophet says there was nothing about his appearance that would attract us to him. Lowly, humbly, unattractive. Jesus did the work of saving us from our sins and bringing us to faith, bringing his kingdom into our hearts. It wasn't flashy, but it worked. He got the job done. You see, the way God runs his kingdom is the same way that Jesus worked to save the subjects in that kingdom. It does reflect God's nature. It reflects the humility of his son, Jesus Christ. An invisible kingdom where ordinary people do the work with humble means and it's mysterious and it's slow. It is a crystal clear reflection of the work that Jesus did to save the people in that kingdom. Just like the work that Jesus did, what God does in his kingdom, it does work. The things do grow. The mustard seed spreads out, up, down, left, right, spreading its shade in all directions. God's kingdom spreads north, south, east, west. It grows up into a mighty harvest. It does work because God is behind it. First the blade, then the head, and the full grain in the head. Yet when it is planted, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. Now this way that God runs and grows his kingdom makes no sense at all to an unbeliever. Uh, an unbeliever cannot reconcile how a great glorious God would run a kingdom that is invisible with mysterious slow rates of growth. This can only be understood by someone who understands and believes Jesus, who the kingdom reflects. When Jesus told these parables, he was speaking to a mixed audience of believers and unbelievers. The unbelievers could not, would not make sense of what Jesus was saying. But when he was alone with the disciples, he explained everything to them. 
See, the believers, the disciples, they could understand this, but even they needed a special sidebar with Jesus. Even believers struggle with these truths. And that's still true today, which is why sometimes even believers display some pretty ungodly attitudes toward the kingdom of God and how he chooses to run it. We look at an area where the word of God is being used and we don't see much growth, or maybe any growth, at least it looks that way, and we think, well, it's not working. Maybe we need to add something a little more exciting to the word of God, or maybe we need to take some things out of it that might be offensive to unbelievers. We look at an individual congregation in that kingdom that maybe isn't packed to the rafters or growing by leaps and bounds, and we think, well, it must be doing something wrong. And Christians become willing to do whatever it takes to attract more people, even if it is not in line with God's word. Humbly, slowly, God's time, his way. This is what Jesus teaches us about the growth of the kingdom. Our job in the kingdom is to scatter the seed of God's word as far and wide and thick as we possibly can. But the growth is all up to him. That is all his work. So as Christians, how are we going to live in these truths about God's kingdom? Well, one way is to remember that the way God works his kingdom, the way he runs it, is the same way he worked through Christ to save us from our sins. When you watch God working in his kingdom, he's just tracing the exact same stencil he used when he sent his son into the world to take our sins away. And the other way is to remember this. When the crop is ready, he swings the sickle without delay because the harvest has come. The mustard tree puts out large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. God is growing his kingdom in this world with an end goal in sight. The harvest will come the tree will reach full growth. When our Savior finished his humble mission in this world, there was glory waiting for him on the other side. No more struggling, no more waiting, the glory of his resurrection on Easter, and then a return to the glory of the kingdom of heaven. When the day of the harvest comes, and all of the subjects of Jesus' kingdom, everyone who has faith in him, are called home to heaven. There will be no more humble work for us then. No more struggling, no more waiting, no more frustration. Just the glory of Jesus' resurrection and the glory of his heavenly kingdom. Keep that promised glory in front of your eyes and in your heart. And until that glory comes, do your job of spreading the seed faithfully as lowly as the work may seem, and don't give up, even when it doesn't seem to be doing any good. Trust God to grow his kingdom until the glory of the harvest comes. Amen.